The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m., and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. The sermon today is a continuation of our series on the kingdom of God or the church of the living God. We've seen that the church of the living God should be the pillar and the ground of the truth, and we've begun looking at the articles of faith of Zion Primitive Baptist Church that were adopted in 1847 by seven charter members. This year marks the 175th anniversary of the Constitution of Zion Church, And I'm thankful to say that we've not had to change or amend these articles in the last 175 years. Why, you may ask? Because they're based upon the Scripture, and whatever is based upon the Scripture will stand. We've been looking at Article 1 of our Articles of Faith, which says that we believe in one true and living God, and that there are three persons in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. For the past few sermons, we've been talking about the fact that God is the true and the living God. But today we begin looking at the idea of the Trinity. Some question the Trinity because that term is not found in the Scripture. Oh, but the concept permeates the Word of God. Today we begin to look at the Trinity, and we understand that our God is one God, and yet He manifests in three persons. He is a triune God. And while we may not understand all the intricacies of the Trinity, the Bible clearly teaches this theological fact about our one true God. And we're going to see that it's important to understand God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost are on the same page. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
this church, as in Bethlehem Church and other churches that are represented here, other primitive Baptist churches, um, it, these churches were constituted upon the premise that the church ought to be the pillar and ground of the truth. And we've said this before, that a pillar holds something up. The ground is what it sits on. And the, the idea that Paul was conveying to Timothy over there when he told him that about the church is that the church ought to just be permeated with truth. Truth ought to be the hallmark of the church. You know, there are places, and I'm, I'm thankful that uh, I know all of you, and I, I'm certain that wherever you go, you would speak the truth. But I think you would agree with me that there are places where it's not nearly as comfortable to speak the truth as other places. I mean, I hope you would, and I believe you would. I've been in situations like that before where, where the truth needed to be spoken and I was willing to speak up, but it wasn't a comfortable situation. You know, there are places we go that people aren't interested in the truth. People aren't interested in the things that we talk about here. But, but the thing about church is that this ought to be the one place of all places except possibly our homes where the truth is easy to speak. We ought to feel free to speak the truth. I've talked to preachers some of whom believe some of the things that we believe about the sovereignty of God and about the grace of God and how it comes from a sovereign God in a sovereign way. But they won't preach it from the pulpit because some of their members won't accept it. Now, I, I want to say this. We ought always to preach the truth in love. If you ever hear me getting harsh up here, now I'm not saying blunt and direct that's okay sometimes we have to be blunt and direct when speaking the truth but if you ever hear a harsh spirit in me please pull me aside and and correct me on that i've heard preachers preach the truth harshly uh, almost an in your face kind of preaching but that's not what we have here and that's not what we want in the church of god the church of god ought to be a place of love we ought to always speak the truth in love but we ought always to speak the truth and you ought to feel free here to speak the truth, any man who gets in this pulpit is free to preach the truth. You know, we've had a lot of visitors, a lot of visiting preachers through the years. We've been blessed with a lot of good preaching through the years. And not one time have I ever taken one of those ministers aside that was about to ascend these steps and stand in this pulpit and say, hey, look now, our folks aren't too keen on this subject or that subject, so you might want to stay away from that. Listen, as long as it's the truth, it needs to be preached. And, and that's, that's the hallmark of God's church. That's one of the primary foundations of the church is that it preaches the truth. And that's why we're going through the articles of faith. I, I find it so amazing that after 175 years, those seven charter members of this church that adopted these articles of faith adopted such articles of faith that they haven't needed to be changed or amended for 175 years. And you know why that's the case? It's because they were based upon the scripture. One of the, one of the articles of faith, I mentioned it this morning, one of the articles of faith of this church is that we believe the word of God is the only rule of faith and practice. I'm thankful for the confessions of faith that we read about in history. I'm thankful for 
Uh, some of the, 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 the meetings that have occurred throughout history among God's people to establish certain principles about the church. But listen, I don't care what confession of faith there is out there. I don't care what uh, a position some committee took or some, some meeting house uh, approved. If it's not supported by the word of God, it doesn't need to be held to in the church. The church is the pillar and ground of the truth, and the truth is found in the word of God. So we started on that a couple of Sundays ago, and now uh, we've talked about the first article of faith. Article 1 says, We believe in one true and living God, and that there are three persons in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. We talked about the fact that He is the true God. He is the only God. He is the true God, which means He is truly God, which means you're not God. <laughs> Let's remember that. That's a basic principle we don't need to forget he we're not God he gets to be God and he gets to say what we should do and how we should practice and how we should act this morning we talked about the fact that he is the living God I'm so thankful that we don't have to worship a dead stump no a dead stump out there we read about it in Jeremiah chapter 10 they have to pick it up and they have to carry it around it they decorate it it looks great it looks beautiful they cut it down in the forest, they bring it in, and it's decorated with silver and gold and all sorts of things. But guess what? Wherever they put it, that's where it'll stay. Brother Luke Hagler preached to y'all a couple of, maybe last Sunday, I can't remember, about uh, Dagon, the god that, the, of the Philistines over there, that, that big statue that was set up. And when the Ark of the Covenant was brought in there, Dagon fell flat on his face. <laughs> he fell flat on his face. You know why? Because Dagon is a dead God. That stump is a dead stump. Our God is a living God. The scriptures affirm this. Jesus himself affirmed it. And the fact that he is the living God is important to the church. It means that he's greater than all the gods of this world. You say, I don't worship gods. Yes, you do, because I do too. Sometimes I let a little God slip in there between me and the great God. The God of work, the God of money, the God of fame. The God of fortune. You know, there were times when I was a young, younger husband and father where, you know, I, I knew the church was most important, the Word of God, the family, but I'd spend more time <laughs> with my mind. Even when I was home sometimes, my mind was on work and not on my wife and my children. And I certainly wasn't on the Lord. But look, I'm so thankful that the Lord is practical. He didn't say, seek ye only the kingdom of God, did he? If he'd said that, he knew we couldn't, we couldn't do it. But he did say, seek ye first the kingdom. And that just means put God's things first. Put God's things first in your thinking, in your mind, in your daily walk. You know, we don't have a church life and then a work life. You know, we, we do sometimes, I'm sorry to say. Sometimes we, you know, we're one way at church on Sunday and then we're a different way at work on Monday and we're a different way at play on Saturday. But the kingdom of God permeates all of that. We, are the, we should be the same wherever we are. That doesn't, doesn't mean we're preaching at work all the time or we're taking out the Bible and going into our boss's office and hammering him upside the head with it, but it does mean that we're conducting ourselves in such a way that we're not being a distraction, and we're not being uh, detrimental to the kingdom of God. You know, that's hard to do sometimes, isn't it? Being put in the, in the situations we're in, but praise God again for His grace. That just means that He's, he's able to make up 
this take up the slack that we leave out there sometimes. So the fact that he is the living God is important because that means he's greater than all these gods. The gods of money, the gods of fame, the gods of fortune, the gods of pleasure, they're all dead gods. But he is the living God, and as that song says that we just sang as an opening hymn, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? See, our God is a living God. The prodigal son, we said this morning, he found out who the living God was. It wasn't the gods of pleasure and partying. It was the God of his father back in his home. And that means that he is able to save us completely. See, it's important that he is the living God. He's able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. I like that. The God I trust is living right now, and he is currently, presently making intercession for me. You know how many times I mess up a prayer? You know how many times I forget to pray? And yet we, we read in the book of Romans in the 8th chapter that the Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And this true and this living God, if you remember, the, the preface to that in our Articles of Faith was we believe in one true and living God. One true and living God. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. He is not only the true God and not only the living God, He is one God. And that's a very important fact about the nature and existence of God. And we're going to find, as we go on through this sermon tonight, Lord willing, we're going to find that that one God is manifest in three persons. And that's a difficult concept to explain, but it's easy to believe if you believe the Scriptures, because <laughs> that's what it says. Notice that this idea that there is one God begins all the way back in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Not God and the angels, not God and man, not God plus some other pantheon of deities. God created the heavens and the earth. And it's so important that we remember He is one God. He is the one true and living God that the first commandment, Reminds us of this, Exodus 20 and verse 3. He said, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. No other gods. Now back then, that was a problem for the Israelites. They were in a pagan land. They were in the, Canaan, in the land of Canaan where the Canaanites had all kinds of gods. And they, there were many different names for those gods, but they all were about the same. And they were all Baal-worshipping peoples over there for the most part. God said it's so important that you not worship any other gods. You shall have no other gods before me that you're not even to intermarry among those peoples. You're not even to take wives of their daughters. You're not to let your sons marry their daughters or your daughters to marry their sons because they will corrupt you. You know, just as an aside, it's, it's foolish. It was, it was foolish for them to do that. And you would think the wisest man that ever lived would have known that. But Solomon, we're told, I forget the exact chapter and verse, but uh, after God gives him all this wisdom and all this uh, knowledge to be able to lead God's people well, it says King Solomon took many wives. He had 300 wives and I believe 700 concubines. 
And those, those wives pulled his heart away after strange gods. You know, young folks, let me just say to you, those of you that, uh, well, those of you that are married, it's too late. <laughs> but uh, those of you that are not married yet, uh, be sure and not become unequally yoked with an unbeliever. I know that many times uh, I'll read about some young lady who's, who hooks up with some rough, wild uh, man out there in the world that's not interested in church, not interested in doing right, and she says, well, I can change him. <laughs> I can change him. You know what's likely, more likely to happen than that? He'll change you. He'll change you. We're told that, uh, uh, that, that we're, not to, we're not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Don't, don't, that, that's the most serious way you can be yoked together with an unbeliever. You can, if you go out there and say, well, I'll, I'll change him, he'll change. Most of the time, it's not for the better. <laughs> it's not for the better. You see, God knew this principle. He laid that principle down. And in, in the olden days, he told them, don't even marry outside of the nation of Israel. He is one God. Exodus 23 says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Isaiah chapter 46 and verse 9. A very strong statement about that. He says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none beside me. <laughs> Notice as you continue reading there in verse 10, Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times of things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. One of the strongest statements of the sovereignty of our God. You know, if He is the one true and living God, he needs to be sovereign, doesn't he? We need him to be all-powerful. I don't need a God that I have to help out. I don't need a God that I have to go assist in whatever he wants to do. I need a God that has his way in the army of heaven and the inhabitants of the land, and nobody can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? Probably the most clear statement of the fact that he is one God is found over in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And over in Deuteronomy chapter 6, this is the passage that's called the Shema. Even Orthodox Jews today, and in fact most all Jews that are in any way religious today, look to this as one of the strongest expressions of the essence of Judaism. And it was the strongest expression of the essence of Judaism in that day, and it still applies to us today. Over in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4, Notice what it says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And he goes on to tell them that you're to teach these words to your children. But notice how it begins. The Lord our God is one Lord. It is a, a, it's, it's the most clear statement of the singularity of God, the fact that He is the singular God of this universe. And just in case you're worried about, well, that was the Old Testament, what about the New? Over in Mark chapter 12 and verse 29, Jesus reaffirmed it. He said, the greatest commandment of all is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You see, the Israelites understood that unlike the pagans of that day, which had a pantheon of gods. They had gods of all shapes and forms. 
that their God, their religion was monotheistic. That's the fancy word just to say they only believed in one God. And that didn't change with the New Testament. Now, I think we all accept that and we understand that. But now I want to switch over to the, to the other aspect of this God, our God. And that's the fact that while he is one God, he is manifest in three persons. And that's the doctrine of the Trinity. Now, I know the word Trinity does not appear in the scriptures, but the concept, the idea of the Trinity permeates the scriptures. So let's talk about that for a few minutes. And let me just again say to you, I'll never be able to explain the Trinity to you to your complete satisfaction or to mine because it is such a, it's a doctrine that is so uh, amazing and deep that we'll never plumb the depths of it until we get to heaven. But I think it's something that makes, it, it makes such sense when we read the scripture and it's clearly found in the word of God. So let's talk about it for a few minutes. Let's talk about, first of all, the definition of the Trinity. Back in about 300 to 310, 315 A.D., there was a preacher down in Alexandria in Egypt named Arius. And Arius came up with this idea that Jesus was created by God and therefore less than God the Father. The idea was that there was one supreme God and then two lesser gods, and that's God the Father who was supreme and God the Holy Spirit and, and God the Son, which were a little bit lesser than Him. Now, we do not believe that here. We do not subscribe to that. In fact, even, even in the days when things were kind of changing in the church in a bad way, they got together in the Council of Nicaea and they declared that that was heresy. And it is. The Arian heresy is still heresy today. One of our writers in the Baptist church, a man named John Gill, who's fairly well known to, uh, um, to many, many of you, he wrote a book on the Trinity. And I, want, I just, again, I think recently I said something about Brother Michael Goins writing something that I just couldn't improve on. And John Gill wrote something here that I can't improve on either. I'd love to pass it off as mine, but I can't. So let me just, let me just read you what John Gill said about this idea. Either these two inferior gods are creators or creatures. If they are creators, they are the one supreme God. For to be a creator is peculiar to the supreme God. In other words, creation is unique to our eternal supreme God. If they are creatures, as there is no medium between a creator and a creature, then they are the gods that have not made the heavens and the earth and therefore shall perish from the earth and from under these heavens. And he's going back to Jeremiah chapter 10 to quote that. We don't believe in a big God and two little gods, a supreme God and two lesser gods. We believe that all three, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, are co-equal, and in fact, they are the same, if I can put it that way. You say, preacher, do you have any scripture to back it up? Well, I do, I do. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. And in verse 7, we have the clearest statement of the existence and character of the Trinity. 
In verse 7, it's, John says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Now, let me just say this. This verse has been left out of many of the modern translations. Those modern translations are based on what they call the majority text, which is a Greek text that uh, sort of came after and through Erasmus. Uh, but, the, but the majority text is not, don't misunderstand what it is, it's not based on a majority of the texts. It just is the text that most modern scholars use. And if you go back, I, I, I'm not going to go through them all tonight. I did a little research on that, and there's actually a, uh, uh, a list of ancient church fathers and other historians going all the way back to 200 A.D. that quote this verse in their writings, which tells me that this verse has always been in the Scripture and ought always to be in the Scripture. So be careful when you're looking at anything other. That's a good, good reason to stick to the good old King James Version because they kept it in there when they translated it, and it should have been kept in there because it was clearly part of it, and it's the clearest statement of the, the, the existence and character of the Trinity. Notice what it says. There are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, that is God the Father. The Word, that is God the Son. We'll see in a moment. And the Holy Ghost, that is the Holy Spirit. Those three bear record in heaven. And just in case you're wondering, these three are one. They're one. In other words, they are one and the same. And yet they manifest in three different persons. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J. C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.